sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. What magic wand do you have? A really strong job report to start the year, finishing really after a very strong year last year. 2.6 million jobs created last year, and, and here the first month of this year, 304,000 net new jobs. That's more than economists had expected. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for being with us today. You know what? Um, yeah, this is just a continuation of what we've seen so far, which is the refusal to accept the results of the 2016 election, even after really manipulating Americans and and using the worst kinds of tactics in 2018 and winning back the House of Representatives. That's still not good enough. That's not good enough. We, you know, instead of them saying, well, we did our best. What we have to do now is we have to say, you know, look, we we have an opportunity to fix this border situation. And as much as we don't, don't, you know, we don't like Donald Trump, American lives are at stake. But that doesn't even matter. Not only do unborn babies not matter, the lives of black people, don't, they don't matter. Yeah, I said it. Wait, some, who's, who's going to do something about it? I mean, right now, Facebook won't allow me to share the live stream from the show page over to my personal page. But, you know, other than this little bit of censorship, who's going to do something about me telling the truth about the Democrats? Nobody. Thanks. I'm not worried about it. So that brings me to Newt Gingrich, who and this hour, uh, obviously, I need to preview it. Right. Um, Gary Goldman from Boston, Massachusetts. He's a syndicated talk show host, and he's going to join us this afternoon. He has some fantastic rapid fire commentary. We love having him on the show. He'll join us in a bit. Um, but yeah, Newt Gingrich is saying that the savagery of the left is 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 unprecedented unprecedented and that Trump's numbers will continue to go up. Now, I'm not one of those people. I I don't like counting the chickens before they're, they're hatched or counting that, you know, I don't like that one. Whatever that nice um, Southern colloquialism is that I used to know perfectly because my grandma used to say it. Um, I don't like doing that. I do think there's a, a strong chance that the president could win re-election, but I also think that Google and Alphabet and Facebook are all going to work really hard to make sure it doesn't happen. They're going to do their very best to make sure that, you know, Donald Trump doesn't have his ads showing to suburban women, uh, that people in certain parts of the country don't think he's running for president. They're going to do whatever they can do. Um, luckily or fortunately or, you know, in the state of blessing, whatever your favorite term is for that. God is in control and us praying folk need to make sure we're lifting up the name of the Lord and praying for his will to be done here on earth and making sure that we're, we don't take anything for granted. Pray about it. Pray about it. You can literally change the atmosphere in your workplace, in your home. You pray. And if you really want to supercharge what you're doing, follow what God's word says. He says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. He wants us to join together. 
and pray over issues so he can move. So we can say, you know what? This was the situation. And then we prayed. And now this is the situation. He gets the glory. We get the, the, the answered prayer. It's just a win, 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 win. So anyway, Newt Gingrich was saying that um, the savagery is unprecedented. It's number one. I think persistent effort. I think uh, the president, remember, he's, he's just coming out from under 92% negative press coverage, a two-year investigation that turned out to be totally phony. Uh, I mean, I don't know of any president in our lifetime who's carried as many negative burdens from the political class as, as uh, President Trump has. Uh, and I think that's a very important thing to remember. Uh, the, the savagery and the hostility of the left has been unlike anything I've seen. And I would say, as Alan Guelzo, uh, the great historian at Gettysburg College said, you have to go back to Lincoln and the savagery of the slave-owning newspapers to see the kind of intensity we saw against Trump. I think as we get beyond that, his numbers are going to keep going up. Uh, as he continues to do a good job, his numbers are going to keep going up. Uh, and as people realize, you know, uh, you may or may not like his style, but you sure have to like his results. Um, and guess what? I actually do like the president's style. Um, you know, so let, can we just talk for a split second about um, back in the day? So it's no secret. Uh, we watched The Apprentice back in the day when our kids were teeny tiny and we were just like, you know what? We need something to watch in the evenings that's funny. And watching him fire somebody every night was just, it was so much fun. <laughs> it really was. It was like once a week we got to sit down and he would fire somebody. Sometimes two people. It was epic. Um, and so I remember the very first episode of the, uh, you know, celebrity or not celebrity, but the regular apprentice before the celebrity apprentice. And he talked about how, you know, he was coming out of a really interesting time, kind of a comeback story for him of sorts, because he'd had to reorganize a number of his businesses through bankruptcy and a couple of the projects that he'd worked on. He'd had a successful run of projects in New York. And then he had a couple that were just, they were duds and they didn't work. And um, so he came out of that and he purchased some other businesses and launched some other, you know, things. And really to me, honestly, it is for the, this is for the naysayers, PSA for the naysayers. It is so irrelevant to me that he had Trump stakes and it's, you know, so Trump stakes are now exclusively sold at Trump properties, but it used to be that they were marketed to everyone. It is so irrelevant to me that he had the ties or whatever, or that Ivanka sold that, you know, she had the clothing and now, you know, that's no, no more. What is relevant to me is that they started those businesses. So I would rather sit with a person who started 50 businesses and 20 of them survived and, and were successful then sit with someone who works at a minimum wage job somewhere. And you know what? God bless you. You know, you, you probably have great things to say. I just don't have time to listen to them. Okay. And, and I hope that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings, but if it does, there's a remedy for that. And that is for you to address your feelings because I'm not going to, I would rather listen to someone who has literally started things from scratch, created things from their own ingenuity, they say, you know what? I'm going to start something here. I'm going to give this a try. There is beauty and respect for people who work for other people. That is fantastic. I work for someone so that, you know, there, there's respect there. I respect that. But I just think it's interesting that the people who spend the most time criticizing Donald Trump for his failures never mention his successes. 
And they're the same way about anybody who owns a business. They hate the owners of Walmart. They hate the owners of, of any business you can think of, Barnes and Nobles, any company. They're like, I hate it. Those big corporations, they just push over the little guy. Really? They push him over while they're employing him? If you talk to the people who work for these companies, yeah, some of them will complain. But a lot of people are really, they're doing it. They're killing it at those jobs. They're grateful for those jobs. They're grateful for their health insurance. Or if they don't have health insurance, if they're in the you know part-time working situation, they're grateful for the opportunity to earn their way into something full-time that is better. And that's the only attitude you can have. And so there's certain people would never, ever sit down with a business owner and try to learn from them. I would. I would not only sit down with that person, I would be interested in hearing from them and learning from them because they have things that they can teach you. And if you don't want to know it, it's like, that's cool. But you also shouldn't be so critical if you're not interested in learning how, because it takes, a, it takes failure to succeed. That if, any, if you've ever tried anything, you know, it's never that you just start off small and start succeeding or you start off huge and start succeeding and you never, ever fail. That's impossible. If someone tells you they've never failed, they're lying to you. So if failure is a part of the process, then what is such the big deal about Donald Trump reorganizing his businesses through Chapter 11, which is what businesses do when they run out of cash and inventory and they still have people to pay? That is what they do. I would have much more respect for people who are critical of his failures if they would also acknowledge the successes. And it's not just Donald Trump that I feel that way about. I see people apply the same logic to tons of you. You see a news story about someone and they failed and everybody just piles on. But they weren't anywhere to be found when that person was succeeding and hiring people and helping to fuel the economy. And it's like that in almost every arena. You see somebody fall down on the job. They're struggling, you know, and we can all be critical. I'm right over here and I'm, I'm, you know, petty party of one president of the petty party. It's me. Guilty as charged. But what exactly what is it that we're doing when we're piling on when people have failed, but we never acknowledge their successes? We weren't there not even for a pat on the back or a, you know, hey, how you doing or a, a golf clap when they were actually killing it. And that's my problem with the liberals. If they would say, you know what, this economy is booming. It's like nothing we've seen before, you know, in recent memory. This is amazing. Lowest unemployment rate. If they would acknowledge that stuff, then I could see them being, you know, critical about the low points in Donald Trump's past. But since he can't get any love at all, not, not an iota of positive thinking on anything, then I don't have time for it. And I honestly... I came around to this learning about marriage. You know what's awful? You know why men have so many jokes out there about nagging wives? The nagging wife is not so much a problem because she's trying to get her husband to do something. It's that she doesn't know how to motivate her husband through positive enforcement. She doesn't know how to encourage her husband to give him what he needs so that he can do the things that she needs him to do. She only knows how to grate on his nerves with a voice that would kill a thousand birds and just basically scrape the skin off of him with her voice, asking and nagging and reminding and doing it, doing it wrong. When it's done right, there really isn't any reminding at all. And again, not raining down on high, been there, done that, had the voice and the t-shirt on the other side, so much easier over here, thank God. Okay, so 
it is in learning that that I realized it is just, it wears people down. It drives people crazy when critical types can only notice the bad and never, ever, ever say anything encouraging or good. And so if we have anything to learn from what we're seeing right now on the political arena, it's that we, w- we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be the ones constantly pointing out, well, you failed at that. You were no good at that. Sitting up someplace, haven't tried anything, haven't failed anything because we haven't done anything. That's not what, who we want to be. It's not what we want to project. It is not beneficial. It doesn't help. It's not getting us anywhere. So now I want to pivot over to this. The FBI, the Obama administration using the FBI to basically spy on the Trump campaign. Now, y'all know I don't like DNI Clapper. Yeah, there's no need to me even trying to paper that over or make it pretty. It's, it is what it is. The man is a liar. And so I was watching this audio clip of him where he's being interviewed about what the Obama administration used the FBI to do against the Trump campaign. Now, for people who work in the intelligence community, spying is a negative kind of term for what they call surveillance, evidence gathering, information gathering, etc. It's negative because it's been used in so many movies and books and everything. A spy is someone who's operating, gathering information, and they're on the negative, right? They're the enemy. And our intelligence community does not consider themselves to be the enemy, obviously, because they work on behalf of the American people and they're paid by the taxpayers. They're government employees. Ah, we don't have time to listen to that, guys. We're going to have to listen to it. (laughs) My producer's like, no time. (laughs) Get over yourself, girl. You talk that one out. Okay, what we'll do is we'll listen to that when we get back in the third segment, not the next segment, because next segment, we're going to talk to Gary Goldman, and he's going to be amazing. So you're going to want to be here for that. Um, Head over to urbanfamilytalk.com and check out the information on the conference that's coming up. You don't want to miss it. Urbanfamilytalk.com, marriage and family conference, ministry wide, super speakers. You're going to want to be a part of that. Check it out. Be right back. first day of the week, very early in the morning, we took the spices that we'd prepared and we went into the tomb. We found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When we went in, we didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. Who took him? Where is he? Who took him? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Where's Jesus? He's not here. He has risen. Jesus was alive. He's alive! Jesus was betrayed, abandoned, mocked, beaten, and then crucified on a cross for sinners like you and me. The Son of God was buried, and after three days, He rose from that grave. Urban Family Talk encourages you to rejoice in the glorious reality that our God is a living God. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, for decades, Congress has been willing to give its legislative powers to the executive branch in general and the president in particular. Senator Mike Lee writes about why this has happened and what Congress can do to stop this dangerous trend. He reminds us that President Obama more than 20 times said he didn't have the authority to rewrite immigration laws and then did so in 2012 during the height of the re-election campaign. He speculates that a President Kamala Harris could use the broad powers of the National Emergencies Act to declare a national emergency over climate change and justify all sorts of unconstitutional actions. This is not what the framers intended. The very first clause of the very first section of the first article of the Constitution declares all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States. They did this because this branch of government would be most accountable to the people. Today, so much power is in the hands of government bureaucrats as well as in the hands of presidents due to the actions of previous presidents and various judicial rulings. Congress also has been too willing to give their constitutional power to the president and the executive branch. Senator Lee has an agenda of structural reforms to strengthen Congress by restoring legislative powers in a number of key areas. In the past, trying to enact legislation like this would be difficult, if not impossible. But there may be a window, given that Democrats and even never-Trumpers in the Republican Party might be willing to pass some needed legislation. Of course, this is an election year when traditionally Congress does very little. If nothing happens, that would be unfortunate. Too much legislation is being written by unelected bureaucrats or by presidential executive orders. We need to return government back to its original foundation. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here with us at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We are so excited to have our next guest join us. He is frequently on the program, although it's been a little teensy bit since we've spoken to him. Uh, Gary Goldman is a Boston, Massachusetts syndicated talk radio show host. <laughs> so we're in the same biz. And he does a lot of commentary. He's really sharp, uh, kind of up to the minute on everything. Gary, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You know, I, I enjoy our chats. So um, let's first just let's get this out of the way because it's it's a subject and I've been yawning about it. Every time I see it online, I yawn. So, but we should cover it. Okay, Gary. So apparently the president over the course of some years, 10, 13 years, whatever, what does it matter? He lost about a billion bucks that he wrote off on his taxes um, as businesses are wont to do. I understand that Amazon writes off 11 or 50 or 11 million billion um, on theirs every year. So they don't have to pay any tax at all, but it's super important because it's Donald Trump and everyone's supposed to hate him. Isn't it just incredible? Because, first of all, if we look at the time period, recession, he didn't do anything fraudulent. He took advantage of tax laws that all of us would take advantage of. And just because, as you said, it's Donald Trump, they want to go after him. And, you know, the, re- the reality of this, this is if you looked at tax return versus a financial statement, you'd get a totally different picture. So they're just looking at the fact that he's, you know, he lost money. He isn't the businessman that he said he is. Um, he's, you know, he's quote unquote a fraud. But 
that's not the case. I mean, he did what he had to do at that particular time on his taxes, and the bottom line is there were some losses. We could go through financial statements and tax returns for many companies like you just said, Amazon, and we'd find the same thing. And what I say to you, Stacey, those on the left, the Schumers, the Pelosi's, all of them that have businesses, family businesses or benches with their husbands, um, my, let us see your tax return. Put oh, your yeah. tax return out there and let us see what you did, because I'm pretty sure we see the same thing from them. Well, especially the Pelosi's, because they have an enormous empire of vast, uh, you know, real estate holdings, a restaurant, a winery, and they're very wealthy. So they clearly have some of those $1,600 an hour tax attorneys working for them to make sure that the tax code uh, is to benefit them, just like Donald Trump did. He, he only used the laws that were available to him at the time. Right. This is a huge you nothing know, it, burger, it just, am I right? Yeah, I mean, and it's horrific okay. how this is what we're focused on. There are so many problems and issues on a day-to-day basis, and this is what we're focused on, and it's just too bad. I mean, from my perspective, I think of the bigger picture, the bigger problem with this picture is who released this information, how did they get this information. That should be more concerning to every one of us as Americans. Um, if someone from the IRS is leaking this information to somebody, wow, uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm all for it. Let's get rid of the IRS, go to a standard, you know, tax, and uh, everyone pays the same percentage, and that's the end of this. But the IRS, more and more we're finding out how dangerous they are and some of the things they do, the unscrupulous things they do, should concern every American. Forget about your political affiliation, because it can happen to either side at any point in time. So that is the, the next part that I wanted to get to, and you perfectly segued into it, Gary. We're talking about some IRS employee, I guess. Yeah. Um, who realized that the Trumps are on, in the right and not being forced to share the taxes. Um, so they decided they would share them for them. And they got 10 years worth and they shared them. Surely there's a way we can find out who did that, or am I wrong? There has to be a way we can find out who did that. Look, at they're, they're obviously this president, when you think about what he's accomplished with the baggage that he's holding on a daily basis, some within his administration, some that's just part of the government that he has to deal with. It's truly amazing. But we need to find out who is involved in releasing this information. I mean, there's all sorts of theories out there. And there was a part of me that said, you know, because Hillary Clinton made some comments the other day that, you know, about China in regard to the um, the tariffs. You know, if you really, if, you know, Clinton mocks China. If you If you listen, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? And all of a sudden, his tax returns are out there. And there's a part of me that thinks she may have had something to do with this. She may have had these tax returns as part of the 2016 election, never used them because she was so out of touch with reality and thought she was winning that election. But, I mean, we could look at either way someone gave her that information. We have to find out who who this is and we have to deal with it. And immediately, I mean, this, you know, look at this, a lot of cleaning up that's going on in our government now, hopefully, Uh, the Justice Department and IRS, we've got to deal with these things. The longer we let them go, we're going to have more and more situations like this. So in your in your estimation, you feel that the announcement that she made about China getting his tax returns and then now the tax returns being released, that that's connected? I, I look at I, I, I'm not one of these conspiracy people. I just oh, don't yeah. go down that road. Right. But there's a part of, there's a part of me that when I first read this, you know, maybe a week or so ago about her, um, 
And then it came out. I, I said, wait a second. When she was saying it, I said, boy, that's kind of a funny comment for her to be making. And then next thing we know is tax returns are out. Um, Michael Cohen goes to jail yesterday. You know, does he have something to do? All of a sudden he's going to jail and here comes the president's uh, part of his tax return. But I, He said I there was you, more I to was learn. Betting, but that, remember, he made some kind of statement like there's more dirt to uncover or something like that. And then right, now exactly. The- so either way, somebody is feeding these individuals that information. Um, I would hope that they don't have that direct access to get it out of the IRS. And I don't think they do, but somebody's feeding somebody this type of information. Look, there's a lot of people, like I, I don't want to be repetitive, in this administration, in the government, that do not like Donald Trump, and they're undermining him every day, and this is just part of it. And this whole bit about his tax return, we don't need... I, look, as long as the president hasn't done anything fraudulent, I'm okay with what he does. I don't really want to see his tax return. I want him to continue to do the great things that he's doing on a daily basis. Yeah, but now that I've seen, so now that we have all the dirt on Trump's and it's really minuscule, you know, like someone says, oh, don't come over. My house is filthy. And you're like, nope, I have to drop this off today. You ring the doorbell. They let you in and they have maybe one little dust bunny in the corner. And you're like, this is what you consider filth. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for letting me in so I can understand your level. You are like on another (laughs) level of clean. Here's what I owed you. Like, here's your book back. And now you leave feeling horrible about yourself because you've got four dust bunnies and you've at least got the dirt off one of your kid's shoes that you can see when as soon as you open the door and they had the one dust bunny. That's what this feels like to me. Like, I think if we've now seen 10 years of Donald Trump's tax returns and the biggest deal is that he lost a billion dollars and he's still worth five billion again. How can I get some time with the president to just sit and talk business? And by talk, I mean me sit with my pen and my paper and listen to him talk business. He lost a billion dollars he wrote off and he's still worth five billion. I don't think yeah. people are looking at this right. No, because look, at they're not looking at it right because it's the same old, same old. The media, the same, the mainstream media, um, constantly negative talk, negative talk, social media. They, they focus in on the loss. When look at accounting, especially at that level, is very difficult to understand. Those, like you just said, those losses seem outrageous to all of us or to some people, but yet he still made X billion dollars. So there's something else going on. They're showing a small narrative to disrupt people's, you know, what people think and make them think that he's a horrible businessman, that there's something corrupt about him, and that's just the whole narrative here. The narrative is to keep throwing as much as they can at Donald Trump through the next election cycle, hoping that they can steal the, their way into the White House. I, look, at the poll numbers are going the wrong way, if that's the case. His poll numbers seem to be pulling upward all the time. I'm here in liberal Massachusetts, and there are more and more people that are getting tired of this push to the far left, this, this lack of governing for the people, and they're, you know, many of our people in Washington... Our politicians in Washington, they're the culprits. They they go after this president on an everyday basis. There are a lot of things in here in Massachusetts that are not getting tended to. I think that's what people are getting tired of. That's why you're seeing his numbers go up. And I think the the tax return thing, just like many other things, will dwindle around for a while, and then it will go away, and they'll be on to something else. I mean, you know, they're still trying to get other tax returns of his. But that's not what we should be spending our time on. It's it's okay. a no story. It's a well, if you well, understand a little bit about business and accounting, as you eloquently put about him making five billion dollars, it's a no story. Yeah. So, 
nothing burger but gary um here's the other thing because i'm 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 actually i'm getting a little bit giddy over here remember okay so remember some of the things and i know it's a lot there's no way you and i could sit here we could have six hours and we couldn't recall it all all of the things that the democrats have said the reason he doesn't want to show us tax returns is and then dot 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 and there's like a thousand things um, he's really not worth five billion dollars. He really, uh, you know, he he did b- business with Russians. He he, you know, uh, all these things like he's a criminal. He cheated on his taxes. He never pays any in tax, which he actually released two years or something like that that showed that he paid more in tax than a lot of rich folks, like a lot of football mm-hmm. players make a year. He paid more in tax. And then everybody shut up about the tax returns for a while. Cause they were like, Oh, you know, that actually made him look like an OG. Cause he pays like, you know, $60 million a year in tax. And people were like, respect, look at him. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's awesome. So, um, am, am I ready to Snoopy dance over here? Because if that's all they found that he lost a billion bucks, that means he's not a criminal. He didn't do business with the Russians. There's nothing else there, but except right. that he lost I- some money. Uh, exactly. I don't look. We know he did. He, he may have had business dealings with Russia or some part of the you know Russia in regard to his international uh, enterprise there. But he's done nothing wrong. He has not. Look at if he did something wrong, and the, if the IRS had something on Donald Trump, I used to say this in regard to the Mueller report. If they had something, they would have dealt with it by now. Mm-hmm. I, we know he's under audit. A lot of people are under audit. But if he did something fraudulent, they would it would have been exposed so long ago. It would be, that would have been old news. That's uh, there's nothing here, as you said, nothing, Burger. There's nothing here. Move, look, at, we want to move on to things that better the country. Those on the left want to move down that continue to tear down the country. That's the unfortunate thing here. Yeah, I'm still, I, Gary, I'm a little stuck. Like sometimes, you know, you see something online and you're like, I should purchase that dress, boots, boots, boots. I should purchase those, and then you, you know, close the window out and you don't think about it again. But other times you see the boots, they're on sale. You can't get them out of your mind. I can't get this out of my mind. Are you telling me all these months, it's been two and a half years now, we've been sitting around and on part of us, whether, whether we like to admit it or not, I'm, I'm fine with admitting it, Gary. I've been worried that if he released the tax returns, there'd be something there that would be, you know, that would be the thing that the Democrats latch onto or that Mueller would latch onto it and it would be his undoing. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's your tax attorneys. They're just trying to do the best for you and it just looks bad. And other times it's an actual rule that you've broken and there's so many. And so deep down I thought, well, I mean, I don't want him to get away with anything. I definitely want him to be squeaky clean, but what if there is something? And that's what I thought to myself. What if there really is something? And what you're saying is the New York times has 10 years of his tax returns. They've looked at them They've dug through them. They've combed them. They've had all their interns look at every single line, circle every little area that could be anything. And all they found was that he took losses, which is what businesses do, the end. Right. So here, here's what I say to what you just laid out here. We look at it. Look, at I've been in this same thought process as you. Geez, I hope there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. But I think he's not. he does not want to retur- uh, let go of those tax returns for a number of reasons. One is just privacy, and that he's sticking to his guns. Secondly, think about this, Stacey. If there was something there, the IRS, whether we see him or not, or the New York Times sees them, auditors and people within the IRS, no doubt in my mind, have gone through Donald Trump's tax returns from A to Z. Now, maybe that's why they're auditing him. That doesn't mean he did anything wrong. He may have did something with a deduction that's 
not, uh, you know, has to be adjusted or things have to be adjusted. That happens during audits. But I'm telling you, if something fraudulent went on, we would know about it by now. They would have been using that as if you thought, if you think we had leaks, if we have leaks now <laughs> prior to 2016 or the 2016 election, that stuff would have been out there. Because this has been, we're talking, you know, many years back, not just current tax returns, we're talking many years back. That information would have been out there. I think You're so right. people are just speculating he's holding back because he did something wrong. I don't, I don't take it that way. Well, so far, just because I've seen people saying he's the most vetted president we've ever had in the history of this country, this really proves it. Because if there's anybody who could, if, if there was anything to find, the New York Times would not hold back. Right. Um, and, and they seem like they're kind of equal opportunity because isn't the New, the New York Times the ones that said there really is a crisis at the border and we really do need to do something about it? So they seem like they're kind of like, you know what, Wh- whatever we can get, we're going to get it and we're going to put it out there. And we're going to put the news out there. If there was something, if there was an iota of anything, they would be on it. They would expand on it. They would investigate it. They would put it on out in every page of their newspaper. And then the talking heads would pick it up and they would use it. So there's nothing, which again, I'm only pointing this out because we have a wide range of listening audience here. And, you know, of course, Christian radio, but we also have people who listen that disagree with a lot of what goes on here. And mm-hmm. I've never, ever wanted the president to get away with anything. So if he was guilty of anything and the Mueller investigation found it, I would want him to, you know, be held accountable. I've said that from day one. But so far, the Mueller investigation, nothing burger. The look into his, um, like the, the comments from before, the comments from the Access Hollywood videotape. I'm sorry, but that was a nothing burger. The extramarital affairs, which his wife already knew about, and they were old news. The payoffs of some of the women, also nothing burgers. And now here we are, with, and obviously immoral, but nothing burgers. Now the tax returns, which was their last hill to die on. Gary, nothing burgers. We got about 20 nothing. seconds left. Close us out. There's, no, there's nothing there. They will continue this witch hunt to find something on him. They're wasting their time. It's purely a distraction going into the 2020 election. Look, at, I'm with you. If Donald Trump did something wrong, illegal, he should be treated just like anybody else. And whether it's, you know, a fine, whatever, it depends on the nature of the. If there was a crime, there's nothing here we did. If Mueller had something, it wouldn't have taken two years to come out. There's nothing to be said about his tax returns, about Russian collusion. It is purely a witch hunt against a man that they all liked up until he became president and, <laughs> and basically, quote-unquote, begged for him to donate their causes and mm. campaigns. Perfect, Gary. Thank you so much for joining today. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've been all over the country helping disaster victims who lose everything. It's truly a blessing. I really don't have the words to express. And yet they see a glimmer of hope when a volunteer shows up. Building the home, that's the second reason we're here. The number one reason is to share the gospel and and give them hope. It's everything that's right in America. I mean, it really represents the, the best that we have to offer. That's one of the main reasons for doing it, is being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and coming out and working with so many wonderful volunteers. I just feel like it's important in this day and age to teach a child uh, how to serve. Please go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and click on Get Involved. Submit your email address, and the next time we go anywhere with a disaster, we'll invite you to come along as well. I love coming in the job room because you can see 
these pieces of paper, they aren't just a piece of paper. Right. It's a family that's hurting, and it's a gospel opportunity. You know, I just thank God, you know, for this moment. I mean, I'll be back in my home, and I know it's going to be awesome. Come love others with Eight Days of Hope. This is Just a Minute with Stacy Washington. Do you enjoy contemporary Christian music? I certainly do. The songs are lyrically encouraging and truly uplifting. But what of our old hymns? Increasingly, hymns are being drummed out of use for many well-intentioned reasons. I was reminded of the power of singing hymns a few years ago during Bible Study Fellowship. 450 women joined in song. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed trinity by the third verse many of us began to weep in my heart i knew that we had briefly glimpsed heaven later that day i ordered a used hymnal to facilitate singing praise and worship songs at home i will always enjoy the upbeat mainstream sound of contemporary christian music but the hymns will always tug at my heartstrings i'm stacy washington find out more at stacyontheright.com it's the candidates with brett Baer. i'm john hickenlooper I'm running for president because we're facing a crisis that threatens everything we stand for. Chris Starwalt, Fox News Digital Politics Editor. You know, I had Jim Messina on the panel, uh, Obama campaign guru, and he said uh, John Hickenlooper is running for Colorado Senate. He just doesn't know it yet. He just doesn't know it yet. And that's the Cory Gardner seat, which Democrats is probably at the very top, that in Arizona, at the very top of their list of red to blue opportunities. Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent for Politico and co-author of the book, The Hill to Die On. I think he's got a pretty good record to run on. Josh Krashauer, politics editor at National Journal. Politically speaking, he's done very well in, in Colorado, winning two terms in a, in a swing state. There is a lane for moderates in the Democratic Party. But it may be just exactly the size of Joe Biden. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Brett Baer. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Uh, using, using undercover uh, agents is a uh, standard and legitimate technique that is widely used in, in investigations. Uh, that technique has been used to thwart a lot of uh, counterterrorism uh, plots in this country. So I'm sure, I mean, there are protocols and standard, standards for using a, an, an agent, and I'm sure that's the case here. No, it's never done lightly. Uh, was it, I'm spy- sure it, was it spying? Well, it, yeah, I, I guess it meets the, defin- the dictionary definition of, spy, of surveillance or spying. A term I don't particularly like. It's not a term of art used by uh, intelligence people. It has a negative connotation of a, a rogue operation, out of control, uh, not in compliance with the law, and that's not the case at all. Well, um, so didn't he sound somber and serious? And he's the same guy who said that the president was a traitor, a treasonous traitor. And now he's like, well... You know, it does meet the dictionary definition of spying. Like, he seems much chastened, doesn't he? Uh, that old clapper. Wow. Interesting. Uh, welcome back to the program, Stacey Washington. Find out more at Stacey on the Right on Twitter and Instagram. Also, find us on Facebook. And then, of course, our news site is onenewsnow.com. Check it out. Best content, best reporters anywhere. You're going to find that stuff over there at onenewsnow.com. So... Yeah, I can't really, 
disagree with what with what he said there. I just wish that he'd been more circumspect in his comments before now. I hate seeing him now trying to sound kind of, you know, academic and what, what, you know, instead of before when he was on CNN, just spouting off any old thing he could push out of his lips. Um, and most of it was garbage. He just, he just got away with it. It was just garbage, 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 garbage all day, garbage all night. He was on there all the time. Like every time you turn on CNN and mind you, I watched via the clips cause we don't have cable. And every clip, it's Clapper says President Trump is a traitor. Clapper says President Trump committed treason. Clapper says that President Trump is a Russian puppet. I was just like, dude, get a life. You, you're so out of control right now. And now here he is. He's like, well, I mean, you can't really say that it's not spying. Okay, Clapper. Anyway, so did you guys hear that? Cory Booker says he's going to raise taxes on everybody if he's the president. Now, admittedly, it's a very, very slim, slender, teensy-weensy, itty-bitty chance that he would ever be the president of the United States. But he is running. And he doesn't seem willing to kind of examine his own policies. He's just, he's just running on whatever Democrats are supposed to run on, which is hiking up taxes. Even though, I mean, so out of every 10 Democrats that I ever encounter... And talk to, mind you, I know, I know Democrats, like I have a lot of Democrats in my family and none of them want their taxes raised. None of them. Now, I will occasionally meet a blowhard who will tell me I'm fine with the progressive tax system because I make a lot of money and I'm fine with paying my fair share in taxes. I'm like, oh, good. Well, then you can pay all you want, but I don't want to pay any more than I'm paying right now because I think the government's wasteful. Well, the government being wasteful doesn't mean you shouldn't pay what you owe. I, I do. I do that. I'm, I'm saying I don't want to pay any more. I want to pay less than right now. I want my ob- obligation to be lowered. Well, that's just not the way you're supposed to think. So this, the, the, the guy that I'm thinking of who told me that and others like him, they have the same mindset as Cory Booker. Cory Booker thinks that paying higher taxes is a matter of being patriotic. Now, I have my pocket constitution. I also have uh, like an explainer on the constitution that I have right here. In fact, let me grab it. It's called The Words We Live By, Your Annotated Guide to the Constitution. Now, this book is really good. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it's got a lot of those info boxes, which are cool, and then illustrations. So I'm not going to be, obviously, reading this to you on the air, but what I'm saying to you is, um, and this one's revised and updated to include the latest in constitutional law. Um, what I'm saying to you is that, that nowhere in here or in the actual constitution is there a place where it says taxation is uh, patriotic. The founders didn't think that at all. That's why they waged war on Great Britain and broke free. Taxation. Yeah. So here he is. Just honestly, the words that are coming out of this man's mouth how he could be running for the presidency, it is so beyond me and outside of the realm of reality. It's laughable. It's number two. I think that we live in a nation with far more patriotism than people are expressing. And what I mean by that is folks want the best for their country. And they know that if your family doesn't have a great public school for your kid, if your family does not have great access to health care, then we all are suffering as a result of that and often creating greater costs. 
So we're suffering and creating greater costs? Look, the fact is, if your kid's school district is failing, it's probably doing no small part to you having a low tax base in that area, which means property values are lower because crime is kind of high. So you're stuck in a negative kind of loop. And that negative loop means that kids end up in poverty and poverty is one of those kind of indicators that you're not going to have a lot of really great outcomes. Um, and so I, I was thinking about this today when I was looking at the gerrymander case. Um, there's this case that's working its way through the appellate courts about gerrymandering. And it's really not important, the state that it's in or any of that. It's that gerrymandering happens all over the country lawfully when you know congressional districts are drawn and redrawn, et cetera. Because people who have the same voting patterns like to be in a district together so that they can have representation that is their political view. And people who have other political views end up grouped in other areas and they tend to also have similar socioeconomics. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? So you've got people, let's say, let's say they're Republicans and they live in a certain area they're moved there for the property values and the school system. Even if they don't have kids, they want to live in that school district so their house will have resale value. And they tend to vote similarly, hence them moving into that area. So the efforts by Democrats to take people from poverty-stricken areas and insert them into areas that are more affluent, it is, generally speaking, actually, it's a wonderful idea on, on you know, on like a napkin at a restaurant, you know, just spitballing. Because then you think the poor people would pick up some of the habits of the people that they're living nearby. But that's not, that's not how human nature works. People who are poverty stricken, um, many of them tend to vote from inner cities specifically, they tend to vote for the policies that ensure they'll be poverty stricken. So all you're doing is importing voters into an area where they're not going to have adequate representation. They're going to want to turn it into a place where they have someone representing them that believes the same things that they believe, which means they want to turn that successful area into an unsuccessful area. Now, just saying that you already got people, they're already on their keyboards like that crazy cat gif, and they're typing as hard as they can because they're mad because I said that. But it's the truth. The reason why certain areas vote solidly Republican or other areas vote solidly Democrat and not all solidly Democrat areas are poverty stricken. There are plenty of suburbs in the city of St. Louis. There's suburban areas that are Democrat that are, they're beautiful suburbs. They're gorgeous houses and everything else. And then there are areas that are heavily Republican, same thing. So it's, it's not like you can't be successful and vote for Democrats, but notice that the Democrats never suggest to take the poverty stricken individuals from the inner city and move them into Democratic areas. They suggest to move them into the areas where Republicans are to dilute the Republican vote and to hopefully flip those areas into being Democratic as well. So it's complex because what ends up happening is people discount the impact that we're talking about humans here, not game pieces or, you know, cogs in a wheel or, or you know, widgets, human beings. So you don't know how they're going to behave. 
Some of the human beings will get up and move as soon as they see an influx of people coming in that don't vote the same way as they do. And that will be called racism when in reality, it's people trying to protect their transactional voting patterns and their property values. So behavioral and cultural norms matter. They matter much more than skin color. And the research on that, Thomas Sowell, (laughs) read his books. He has over and over and over again proven that what people care about more than the skin color of their neighbors is if their neighbors have the same culture that they have, the same work ethic, the same uh, desire for success, the same kind of family structure. And if that is present, people are much more likely to discount, um, oh, to discount, I, know we, I didn't know we had a caller, uh, to discount what they're seeing from someone else on the other hand. So, okay, um, thank you for calling into the show. I don't see your name here on the call screening software, but thank you for calling. This is Renee. Hi, Renee. Thanks for calling the show. Uh, Yes. Uh, What I'm calling about is the reference that Nancy Pelosi made about uh, taking this to the court of public opinion. And it really struck me. I had just read an AFA journal article from last month about the Constitution and Mm -hmm. how much people know about it. And if I may, I'm going to read a a couple of things in here. It Mm -hmm. says, according to the Freedom Forum Institute, uh, May of 2018, uh, shows that 36% of respondents could name one freedom, but only three could name four of the five freedoms. Only one respond, uh, sorry, only one respondent out of the 1009 polled could name all five of them that were in the First Amendment. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it says, uh, 40% of the participants could not name a single right guaranteed by the First Amendment. Um, wow. There's another one, yes, and that another uh, survey of 113 U.S. adults revealed that only 26% of the respondents could name the three branches of government, executive, judicial, and legislative, while 27% could name just one branch, and only 13 could name at least two. 33 could not name a single branch. We're a single branch of government? Public opinion. <laughs> We're going to take this to the court of public opinion, and the public is this ignorant. Renee, I'm stuck. <laughs> Couldn't name one branch. There's only three branches. <laughs> you can't be able to name one. Oh, Renee, thank you so much for calling with that. That is so, so in other words, Nancy wants to take it to the court of folks who don't know anything about the Constitution. And that is, I'm, I'm not trying to be insulting. Um, and I have before, like, you know, sometimes uh, late night TV, they'll have someone on the street asking questions and I've gotten them wrong before and thought, man, I got to buff up. So we, none of us are like constitutional scholars. Well, constitutional scholars are, but the rest of us are just, you know, we're just making do we're doing the best we can, but come on, there's only three branches of government, legislative, executive, judicial, co-equal, none above the other. Like that's one that's kind of basic. Um, so again, this is actually full disclosure because I don't want people to think I'm that special or that smart or, you know, that I, I get it right that much. This book, the words we live by your annotated guide to the constitution is actually a book that our daughter 
had as a textbook in uh, high school. And I'm currently in the, so what you can't see, if you're watching on the live stream, if you're listening on the radio, God bless, thank you for your ears. If you're watching with the live streams, what you can't see, first of all, the background looks different because the desk has been moved and we've been reorganizing this whole room. And we have a triple bookcase in here that's chock full of books. So me and daughter, the youngest, have unloaded half of the center bookcase and it's all the kids' textbooks from the different schools they've attended. And I found this book and I'm like, you know, this is one that I should have been reading along with whichever kid this was. I think it was our oldest daughter. And so... I got it out and I'm like, I'm going to use this for reference during the show because there's plenty of times where we talk about the constitution and I should have the like actual source right here. And also we have a ton of pocket constitutions. I'm going to have one of those here as well. But suffice it to say, you know, can't talk smack if we don't know all the goodies ourselves. So it should be, I don't know if we need to play trivial pursuit for the constitution or, you know, if there are games out there, I know Hillsdale College has a bunch of classes that you can take online at home at your own pace about the Constitution. But we should know more than that. If we expect, as Nancy Pelosi says, to be the court of public opinion and be able to govern from that perspective, we should know what it is that we're talking about. Uh, so my hope is that we'll do that. It takes time. You have to just kind of say, oh, I'm going to skip one TV show or skip one, you know, whatever you like to do in the evening and spend 20 minutes reading the Constitution and just do that until you get done. You know, there's, there has to be a way to do it, right? All right. I hear the music. God bless from the heartland of the United States of America, right out here in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, you know, God bless you tonight. Have a fantastic evening. Until tomorrow, StacyOnTheRight.com. <laughs>